Just before we begin this evening, if you don't have an Easter leaflet, this tells us about our Easter celebration next Sunday. It will be fantastic. We are going up Law Hill, starting here at the church, 8 o'clock in the morning, that is. Uh, We are going right to the top. We are having a little service up there. We are coming back down. We're having breakfast uh, in the church. Then we're having a church service, half past 10, uh, followed by an Easter egg hunt. Probably for the children, but if you do want to take part, I'm sure that you will be welcome uh, as well. Now, the other thing I ought to say as well is that, uh, as well as tonight, we have evening services all this week, 7 o'clock each evening. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are short half-hour services uh, starting at 7 o'clock. Thursday, we are sharing in communion together, and then we have our Good Friday service as well as we think about Jesus and dying on the cross. Um, so please do take one of these away. It says you're invited on it. If you want to take one to give to a neighbor or a friend or a family member or two or three, then please take them away. So these are here uh, for you to take away this evening. Uh, and also to say, if you weren't here this morning and you want to find out what's happening in the church, there's an intimation sheet here for you as well. Please take that away uh, with you too. Now, this evening we are going to be thinking about Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, and we are thinking about uh, Jesus being anointed at Bethany. It's not going to be a long uh, preach tonight. It's nice and warm in here Uh, this evening. It's getting kind of late, and we've got the whole week to to look forward to, so I'm very aware, okay, that we need a bit of stamina uh, for this week. Do you want the heating on or do you want it off? Okay, it'll just go off, so that's, that's fine. Okay, I don't want you falling asleep on me, okay? That's, a, that's why you're facing each other, okay? So you can keep an eye on one another. That's the, whole, that's the whole point. Now, the context to our passage tonight, we have been studying Matthew's Gospel in our morning service. Uh, we have been studying from Matthew chapter 8, uh, and we have gone all the way through to Matthew chapter 21. Uh, we looked at the triumphal entry for Palm Sunday Uh, which is, of course, um, today. But obviously in Matthew's Gospel, there's 28 chapters, um, and so there's a lot that happens between Jesus' triumphal entry uh, and the crucifixion and resurrection uh, in Matthew 28. Jesus has just been speaking about the end times uh, before chapter 26 that we're going to look um, at tonight. And that's been in response to a question that the disciples have asked Jesus, when will all this happen? When will your kingdom come into being? And so Jesus has given some extensive teaching uh, on the end times. So I want to read just a a few verses um, from uh, Matthew 26, and we're going to read up to verse 16. Now, I want to say this evening, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Uh, We are about to change translation in the church, and we are going to move to the New Living Translation. Uh, translation, so I thought we would use that uh, this evening, okay? Um, And more about that after Easter. We've not quite changed yet, but we'll be moving uh, just after Easter. So this is Matthew 26 and verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all these things about the end times, he said to his disciples, as you know, Passover begins in two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. At that same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, 
plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him thirty pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Amen. God will bless this reading from his holy word. Now today, obviously, is Palm Sunday, uh, this Sunday in which we think about Jesus riding into Jerusalem in triumph on a donkey, on the colt uh, of a donkey. And we thought a wee bit about that uh, this morning. But tonight, I thought we would think about something that happened on the Saturday night the day before Palm Sunday when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Now, before we think about this passage this evening, just a wee note to say that when we're looking at the Gospels, they are sometimes not chronological. And that sometimes confuses people. Because when we tell a story, generally speaking, unless it's some complicated murder mystery with flashbacks and all kinds of things, We generally have stories that are chronological, don't we? We tell a story and we tell what happened at the beginning, what's in the middle and what's at the end. But the Gospels don't always do that. And that's certainly the case with Matthew, where sometimes he he clumps themes together instead. So you would notice if you're listening very carefully to our reading this evening, that the beginning of chapter 26 is two days before the Passover. The Passover being the Thursday before Jesus was crucified on the Friday. And so it refers to the, was two days before Thursday? Tuesday. It refers to the Tuesday. However, we know that Jesus being anointed happened on the Saturday before. And we know this because of John's version in John chapter 12. However, what I want you to notice, so what you've got is, There's a kind of scene, which is on the Tuesday, but then we go back to the Saturday, but then the scene shifts again in verse 14, where Judas Iscariot agrees to betray Jesus. So what we need to see is it's not chronological. This part of Matthew's gospel is not. It's Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday again. But there is a pattern, okay? I know this is late on a Sunday evening, okay? There is a pattern and there's a point. I want you to see there's a plot to kill Jesus 
verses 1 to 5. And then Judas agrees to betray Jesus, verses 14 to 16. But then there's this part in the middle. The anointing of Jesus, which is from earlier, which is from the, the Saturday night. Now the question is, why? Why has Matthew grouped these three passages together? Well, the reason is that Jesus' time has now come. Time is a really important thing in the Gospels, particularly in John's Gospel, but also in the other Gospels too. You see, the plot is being hatched against him. Judas has agreed to betray Jesus. And in the middle, we see that something significant happens to Jesus that hints that Jesus' time is coming and has come. So let's follow the story uh, this evening. And then I've got a little, just a little devotional thought uh, for you right at the end. So if you get bored and you want to just relax for a while, that's absolutely fine. But at least listen to the wee bit at the end. Okay, that's the really important um, part. So what I want you to notice this evening. Now, incidentally, we are currently on the 2nd of April. Now, there are various um, different theories as to, to when Jesus was actually crucified. And there's two that are mainly plausible. One is AD 30, and the other is AD 33. Now, and there's various reasons as to, to why that might be the case. If it's the AD 30 date, then actually Palm Sunday was the 2nd of April, which is quite significant, isn't it? And that means that Jesus was crucified on the 7th of April and rose again on the 9th of April. So it's significant, isn't it, this year that those dates uh, happen, happen to match. Now, let's follow the story. Jesus is at the house of Simon uh, in Bethany. Bethany was just outside Jerusalem, about a mile or so uh, away, and was very near the place uh, where Jesus started his journey into Jerusalem on uh, the donkey. Remember, that was from uh, Beth Finch. And so Jesus is eating with uh, Simon. Uh, other translations, like the NIV, have Simon the leper. Uh, but the New Living Translation helpfully has it that Simon previously had leprosy. Now, as you'll probably know, leprosy is contagious. Uh, so it would be very unlikely that Simon still had leprosy. And it's most likely that Simon had been healed by Jesus of his leprosy. And it might have been, and it was very probable, and I think appears in the other Gospels, uh, that Simon uh, had uh, invited Jesus for a meal in Jesus' honor uh, for what uh, Jesus had done uh, for him. Now, of course, Bethany is a well-known place, isn't it, in the Gospels? Because, of course, it is the place where Lazarus lived uh, alongside Mary and Martha. And we know from the other Gospels, especially again from John's Gospel, uh, that Lazarus was there uh, reclining at the table with Jesus. That must have, must have been quite something. Remember what happened to Lazarus? Lazarus was dead. Now he was alive. And now he's there at the table with Jesus. That must have been quite mind-blowing uh, for the people who were there. And they were reclining. At, they weren't just slouched at the table. They were reclining at the table. Because in those days and in that culture, there was a low table. Perhaps you've seen pictures. And 
the people would recline around the low table, probably propped up on kind of one arm, reaching uh, for the food uh, with their other arm. And so you can see the scene where Simon is there, others are there, Lazarus is there, Jesus is there. And whilst they are eating, something significant happens. Because we're told that a woman comes in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and pours it over Jesus' head. Now we know from John's Gospel that this was Mary, sister of Martha and Lazarus. And then in John's Gospel, this happens just after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, you can imagine the scene, can't you? They're all eating around the table, reclining at this low table, and then this woman walks in. Now, in that culture, there was often people walking in and out. Uh, there were people listening in to the, the conversation. It was a kind of uh, public space where people would be. And this woman walks in, and then before you know it, there is this beautiful, wonderful smell as the perfume is put on Jesus' head. Now, can you imagine if that happened when you were holding a dinner party? Some of you here tonight will have held a dinner party or been at a dinner party. Can you imagine that you're just having this dinner party and then one of the guests gets up and goes to their bedroom or their bathroom or whatever it might be and they get their, get their Calvin Klein or have no idea what expensive <laughs> perfume is. And, and they go... And they go and they pour it over someone's head. Can you imagine? What oh, kind of out? What are you doing? This is this is craziness. It would create quite a stir, wouldn't it? And it does here, doesn't it? Because the disciples, who are obviously there as well, they're indignant. What a waste! Could have been sold for a high price and money given to the poor. Now. In some ways, we might agree with the disciples, mightn't we? Because what they say here seems quite noble. This is expensive perfume. It could have been sold for an awful lot of money. It could have really made a difference in a lot of people's lives. Sometimes we say similar things, don't we, when we see waste being made. Why wasn't it given to the poor? You'd expect, perhaps, Jesus to agree with the disciples. But that's not what Jesus says, because Jesus understands something greater is going on. What does Jesus say? He says, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You'll not always have me. Now, Let's not meant to understand this part. Jesus is not being uncaring. He is not being callous. We have seen, I hope, throughout the Gospels, Jesus very much cares for the poor. This is not Jesus saying, look how, uh, you know, really, you know, don't care about the poor. That is not what Jesus is saying at all. But the fact is that the disciples should always be looking out for the poor. We know throughout Jesus' ministry, who did he come for? He didn't come for the righteous. He came for those who were sick. He came for those who really, really needed him. Who did he often heal? He healed those who were blind, those who were lame. So we can never accuse Jesus of not looking out for the poor. 
But the fact also is that Jesus labels this action of anointing his head with perfume with significance. That it is to prepare his body for burial. You see, as we come towards this holy week, in some ways we're reminded of the nativity, aren't we? You see, we can't have, as Anne reminded me tonight, we can't have said to Anne, what's better, Easter or Christmas? Well, I said Easter. Okay, she said, well, you can't have Easter without Christmas, which is very true. But they're, all, they're linked together, aren't they? Because during Holy Week and during the whole Easter story, we are reminded, aren't we, of the nativity. Because remember, there are a number of things in the nativity story that Mary, Jesus' mother, ponders in her heart. Things that she doesn't particularly understand at the time, but she ponders them. You know, what does this mean? And remember, who was there at the crucifixion? Mary, Jesus' mother, was there. I wonder if she reflected back on when Jesus had been born. I think she must have done. Now, one of the things that she pondered upon was when the wise men, the magi from the east, brought their gifts to Jesus. We know what those gifts were, don't we? Do you remember back that far? What were they? Okay, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, gold for a king, frankincense generally for a priest. What was myrrh for? Now, myrrh was used in the anointing oil to anoint high priests and kings. But it was also used to anoint dead bodies. Indeed, we are told in the crucifixion story of Jesus and what happens to his body afterwards that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus brought aloes and myrrh to wrap Jesus' body in. So myrrh was significant. Now, here... Jesus is anointed with perfume. We don't know what kind of perfume it was. Pure nard, whatever that is, I'm not quite sure. It probably wasn't myrrh, but it reminds us of the gifts that the wise men brought. And it reminds us of what Jesus has come to do. He's come to die. And Jesus knows this. We looked at that this morning, and we've looked at this throughout Matthew's gospel. We can never say, you know, what happens with the crucifixion is an accident. That this is God making good of a bad situation. Jesus throughout his life, throughout his ministry, knows what's going to happen to him. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows he's going to be arrested. He knows he's going to be falsely accused. He knows he's going to suffer. He's going to be flogged. He's going to die. He knows that on the third day he's going to rise again in glory. And even in our passage tonight, if you're listening very, very carefully... In verse 2, for the first time, Jesus tells the disciples and those at the table, well, probably just the disciples at this point, when this is going to be. Because it says in verse 2, as you know, Passover begins in two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. That's the Tuesday. Passover's Thursday. He's telling them that's when it's going to be. He knows what's going to happen to him. He's come to die, and Jesus knows it. You see, what I want you to notice is despite the plots of the religious leaders that we see at the beginning of chapter 26, or the betrayal of Judas that we see later on in chapter 26, that Jesus knows 
Everything is in his hands. And he has come to lay down his life. And whilst he's sitting at the table, reclining at the table, whilst the others don't really understand what's happening, even the disciples are like, oh, Jesus, that that perfume could have been sold and given to the poor. Whilst they don't understand, Jesus understands. He understands that this is about his burial. That this is in preparation for what's going to happen to him. Now, let's not think that Mary herself even understood what's happening. But what's really important is that Jesus does. He knows that his time is coming and that this anointing is symbolic of his burial. Now, if you don't follow any of that this evening, okay, the wee devotional thing I want you to think about this evening, especially as we go into Holy Week, is why does Mary do this? Why does Mary do this? What's her motivation behind it? She doesn't fully understand what she's doing. Jesus does. She doesn't. But why does she do it? You see, she doesn't understand what Jesus has come to do. She understands something of who Jesus is. And she doesn't understand that she's preparing Jesus' body for burial. She doesn't understand all that Jesus was going to go through. But she did understand something. And that was that she loved Jesus. That's what she understood. Now in John's Gospel, we know that this is in response to Lazarus being raised from the dead. We know that story, don't we? We know how devastated Martha and Mary must have been. We know, remember the story when Jesus is is away and he waits. He doesn't go immediately when he hears that Lazarus is ill. And then he goes. And then, you know, he sees Martha and Mary. And remember how Martha and Mary, you know, if only you'd been here, Jesus. It might not have turned out this way. And remember what's meant to be the shortest verse in the Bible. It's not actually. Job 3, verse 2. Have a look at that later. He wept. Oh, no, he said. It says in Job verse two, uh, 3, verse 2. But it says Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He showed emotion. Now, I've often wondered, you know, why, why did Jesus weep? It's a very interesting thing, isn't it? Jesus knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why did, why did he weep, therefore? It's very strange, isn't it? I think it's because Jesus knew that death was not the way. He knew that this was caused by sin in the world. And he saw the devastation that it brought to Mary and Martha. Jesus wept. But remember what happens in that story. How Jesus goes to the tomb. says, open up the tomb. People are like, no way, don't do that. Body's been in there for four days. It's going to smell. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Come out. And Lazarus comes out. He's alive. They unwrap him. In many ways, that's symbolic, isn't it, of what Jesus had come to do. That he had come to bring life where before there was death. That's what Jesus had come to do. Now, Lazarus died again. Jesus didn't die again. He lives forevermore. 
That's the context of why Mary, therefore, when the people were together, having this meal together, she came in and she anointed Jesus' head with oil. Why? Jesus, I so appreciate what you have done. I love you so much. You've restored my brother to me. I think also, as well as thanking Jesus for Lazarus, she was also just thankful for who Jesus was. Remember the other story of Mary and Martha? I think it's my favorite story in the whole of Scripture, actually. It's what I preached when I was sole nominee. There you go. That was a long time ago, 15 odd years ago. Um, and it's the story of you know, Mary and Martha, Martha running about. Where does Mary sit? She sits at Jesus' feet, listening to his voice, wanting to be with Jesus because she loved him. She wanted to hear him. She wanted to hear his teaching and just wanted to be there. So when she's got this bottle of expensive perfume, she could have kept it for herself. We don't know where she got it from. We don't know if she'd saved up for many years or whether it had been passed down you know, from you know, generations above. I don't know how long perfume lasts, incidentally. But she decided not to keep it to herself. She wanted to anoint Jesus. You see, you don't pour a, an expensive bottle of perfume over anyone, do you? Just anyone? And the question for us, especially as we enter this Holy Week, is how much do we love Jesus? Really? How much do we love him? Are we willing to put him above all others because we love him? I want you to think of your most expensive thing that you've got in your home or the thing that you hold dearest. Would you be willing to let that go because you love Jesus and because Jesus is worth so much more? We don't know how much Mary prized that expensive perfume, but she decided, do you know something? It's not going to be for me. It's going to be for Jesus, and I'm giving it over to him. And so the question for us as we enter this Holy Week is do we show the same devotion to Jesus that Mary does? You see, the fact that we're talking about this tonight shows that what Jesus says at the end of this scene comes true. What does Jesus say? It's a very unusual uh, thing for him to say. He doesn't say this, I don't think, anywhere else. He says, I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Now, how do we know that? Well, here we are, 2023, and we're talking about Mary anointing Jesus' head with this wonderful perfume. It's remembered as we think about the good news as we move in to this holy week. So this evening, let's see how much Mary loved Jesus. She just wanted to honor him. She wanted to show him how much she loved him. Do we love Jesus in the same way? During this Holy Week, may we travel along with Jesus. May we understand all that he has done for us. You see, if Mary thanked Jesus for raising Lazarus from the dead, how much ought we to thank Jesus for raising us from the dead? Because that's our hope, isn't it? That's the whole hope of Easter, 
that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. But sin could not hold him. On the third day, he rose again in glory. And what's the promise in Scripture? When you believe and trust in him, you're no longer your own. You're a new creation. You're born again. You're given new life. Is that not something wonderful? So this evening, as we move into Holy Week, let's love Jesus because he has loved us so much. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is so much to learn from this passage this evening. And in many ways, as we think about this story in our mind's eye and we Think about the low table and all those gathered around it. How strange it must have been to suddenly smell this wonderful aroma and to see Mary coming in and pouring all this expensive perfume over Jesus' head. And Father, we see the different reaction of the people around the table. We see even the disciples, and Judas in particular, as we're told in the other Gospels, indignant concerned about how this perfume was wasted when the money could have been given to the poor. And Lord God, maybe as we look at this scene, that's our own feeling in our own heart. What a waste. But Heavenly Father, we pray that you would bend our hearts, that you would soften our hearts, that you would exchange our hearts of stone for hearts of flesh, and that we might understand who Jesus truly is. That he's the one who deserves all our praise, all the glory. That he's the one who deserves our love. And we thank you for Mary's heart. That she just loved Jesus so much. That she was so thankful for all that Jesus had done. Especially in raising Lazarus from the dead. But also she was so thankful for who Jesus is. And Father, as we come at the beginning of this Holy Week, we are so thankful for who Jesus is. We're so thankful for all that Jesus has done. And we pray that we might understand the depth of Jesus' love, his care for us, and that we might respond to his love by loving him first and foremost, by loving you, Lord God, by giving our very selves over to you, and that we might love one another as you've called us to do. So, Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word this evening, we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake.